Coming up today on a special election edition of In the News. Polls are showing a tight race that's too close to call, but do the numbers really mean anything? Also, the impact of the refugee crisis on the election. And we will be giving you our own prediction on the October 19th election. My name is Kaylee Gelman. Sitting across from me once again is Brady Knight. Glad to be here. Glad to be back. Episode number four. Feeling good and... Ready to roll. Yeah. Now finally we can say less than a month till the federal election. Is it to this date? It is to this date. It is September 19th. We are sitting in my little spare room and we are a month away. You mean our elaborate recording studio. That's what I meant to say. (laughs) (laughs) And we are a month away from the election. It feels like it's been going on for so much longer and like I can't even imagine the journalists like riding along on those federal campaign buses they must just be absolutely exhausted by just, this point I'd, I would be going crazy right now this has already been going on for over a month a month and a half a ridiculous it was, amount it was of August time long weekend yeah I think is when the official announcement came down it's been going on for a while still got a ways to go but we're finally down to We can see the finish line in the very, very distant future. We can see the finish line, but we can't see who's going to cross first. And that's just the thing. You've you've been seeing polls. You've been looking at polls the entire time. Of course, everybody wants to know what are people thinking? How are people going to vote? What's going to happen? Basically, every single poll since the start of this has put the conservatives, liberals, and NDP. The order has varied slightly at times. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's all been within a couple percentage points of each other. I it, watch um I watch the CTV news channel every day, and they always open up with their Nanos night nightly poll um right, right. thing. And the past, well, I would say the past close to a week, they have put liberals at the top by like point three percent or something like that. But then yeah, it's liberals, NDP, conservatives, all within less than a percentage basically from top to bottom and they're saying their margin of error i think was five percent usually usually for those things it'd be around four it depends on on the poll i don't know that one specifically but yeah easily within the margin of error for the polls so but basically it comes down to we just don't know who's gonna win well it's hard to tell and that's just the thing is how reliable are these things anyways and just to pull an example out of it there was one... I like uh, your little pun there, by the way. There is one this... I know, right? 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 <laughs> uh, there was one poll this past week, and it was conducted by the NDP in Justin Trudeau's home riding of Papineau in Quebec. I would say that's red flag number one. Wait, it gets better. <laughs> so they uh, contracted a polling firm to do a poll. Uh, it was a relatively sa- small sample size. There was just 375 people that they talked to. Their margin of error was close to 6%, plus or minus 6%. Now, this poll gave the NDP an 11-point lead in Trudeau's home riding. Which is a big upset for Trudeau if he is not winning in his own riding. Well, exactly. It'd be a big upset for any federal party leader. However, the Canadian press went to, I believe it was five other uh, polling companies who pointed out that this was not a random sample of people. This was not a representative sample of people within the riding, meaning in terms of men, women, ages, 
how they voted in the previous elections, that sort of thing. And just as a comparison, there was another poll that came out the very next day that gave Trudeau a five-point lead. So basically, it's coming down to, how can you trust these polls? This is supposed to be, you would think, you know, NDP, you're supposed to be doing a poll. I'm Okay, I'm going to backtrack here for a second. I'm looking at this poll and I'm reading or listening to what you just read. And it's making me criticize the NDP now for doing something like that. I don't know. I just criticize them now. Conveniently, the results of that were released just before the uh, Globe and Mail debate that happened this past week. Oh, surprise, surprise. So I have never been a fan of polls because, well, they can definitely... Never been a fan? You have... You (laughs) loathe polls. Loathe them. Basically, what it comes down to is they can give a general overview of things. But when it comes down to elections and things like this, especially when it's so close, it's impossible for them to predict right now who is going to be able to win nationally, at -hmm. least. Maybe within some ridings that are gimme ridings for whatever party. Every party has has those ones that they're fully expected to win in. But that's not where you're looking for the polls anyways. No. And like I say, just the stock that some people put in them. And they're so easy, as you saw with that NDP one, to be able to spin the numbers whichever way you want to either make yourself look good or somebody else look bad. And... Well, if you're not getting given the full backstory on how this poll is taking place and you get people that come in and they're not doing their research on it, so many people are going to look at this and think it's a legit poll and realize that, oh, Trudeau is in trouble. Something's going on there. It's just one of those situations where you completely lose any faith that you have left in pollsters. And like, don't get me wrong, there are some that are very reputable that do a very good job. But you've always got to keep in mind when they're doing these things, there's always going to be a margin of error. And when it's this close... Are they really telling us anything? No. Not really, Absolutely no. not. At the same time, is it one of the only sources of getting public opinions during elections and things? Absolutely. And there's people that study them very closely. I just don't think... I can't put any stock in them because they're just too unreliable and aren't giving me any information that I can usefully use myself. I think... For me personally, what I've been taking away from these polls that um, I've been seeing daily on CTV News Channel is that um, the liberals are gaining momentum. That's what I'm taking away is that it's it's giving you a snapshot of of the momentum that parties are getting, that it was for the longest time liberals were in third, uh, distinctly in third by a couple percentages. Right. And then all of a sudden now they're up tied neck and neck with the other two so that's kind of how i'm like i I take them as um as a way just to see what are they they're obviously they're doing something and this is for all the parties like yeah they have their moments where they get some momentum and they lose some momentum with stuff that happens i think this time it's just a situation that's just too close to call and that's why i've just been completely not ignoring but putting very little stock or faith in the numbers because like you say they're changing from week to week in these night to night from night to night but in these small 
barely measurable increments when you're talking countrywide. So while I can see that we, we need them and it gives talking points and it gives everybody a general idea, again, when it comes down to the specifics, there's no way that they're actually going to be able to predict what's going to happen October 19th. No. Let's move on to um, the refugee crisis that's happening right now because it is affecting the polls that we were just talking about. Right. And it's a serious issue that needs uh, that needs some light. Well, and it's one of those things that has come to a head very suddenly, I think, for a lot of the public. Um, it's something that's been building since for the last several years. And uh, it's finally gotten to the point where it has evolved into an absolute crisis. It was it was something that was known for for a, yeah for many years, but not something that was well known until that picture showed up last a couple weeks ago of the young boy on the, the beach. Yeah, that got washed up on the beach. Who him, his brother, and his mom drowned got all kinds of attention right around the world and uh, put a face to the crisis for a lot of people. Yeah. And so since then, it's been the subject, as you said, of a lot of political debate, and it's become one of the issues in this election. And one of the biggest problems that I think that Canadians have been expressing is that what is being done what are we doing right now to help the problem that needs the help? What could we have done to prevent that little boy's picture being being taken? Like, what could we have done? And I feel like there's nothing, no one's answering that question. So there have been uh, some promises or whatnot, but most of these uh, from Stephen Harper have been for further down the line yeah nothing nothing for today or for tomorrow and um as we were preparing for this we got an update from ctv news that uh canada's refugee um processing expects to resettle ten thousand syrians by september of 2016 so a year from now not right now a year from now and it's like we just mentioned all these talks especially coming from harper are we plan to bring in a couple tens of thousands of Syrians by the next year, by the next five years. What are you doing right now, though? Who knows that these 10,000 Syrians that can be coming to Canada in a year are still going to be even alive? And I don't think that political leaders realized how much this would hit home for a lot of people in Canada. But generally the image of Canada that I think a lot of Canadians have in their mind is we are the kind of people that help out on the world stage when there's something going wrong. We have the means to help out other people. So I feel that a lot of people want to be able to reach out and and offer what we can instead of just saying, well, that's not our problem. And I feel like that's what's going on right now, that our leader is basically saying, whatever, it's not our problem. Am I bold in saying that? Am I strong in saying that? I think there was more of a lack of preparedness on on all of the political parties, but especially from the conservatives on their response to that. Let me let me rephrase that. I think he started off with the attitude of 
this isn't our problem. We have other problems here. They'll deal with it. And it just, everyone was knocking at his door, being like, do something. It really started to show that Canadians care about the refugees crisis happening right now. Now he's shifted to, okay, let's start doing something, but it'll start next year. And for a lot of people, that just isn't fast enough. It's not enough. You you can't say that's enough. Experts are coming on panels and even saying themselves, this isn't enough that we can be doing more. We're just choosing not to. So Elizabeth May got a lot of attention this past week, despite not being invited to the Globe and Mail's debate on the economy. And I think that's kind of one of the reasons why she got some attention to start off was the fact that she wasn't invited and she wanted to be a part of this debate. So in order to take part, she uh, ended up teaming up with uh, a couple of people from Twitter and basically they filmed... Uh, her responses in real time and were posting them to Twitter as the debate was going on to still get her message out there. And she was kind of teasing um, like the leaders and um, going after Globe and Mail for not letting her be a part of this because she is a leader of a Canadian party. She is. And um, just poking fun at them being for not letting her join, but she's still going to do it anyways because she, the question would be asked and she would. She would answer it or she would respond to the leaders. But she's like, but it's not like anyone even asked me or it's not like you guys are going to hear what I'm saying anyway. So having a little fun with it too. Exactly. And I think this brings up a couple questions. And the first being, of course, should she have been invited to that debate in the first place? I think she should have been for the fact that she wanted to be there. And the Green Party has two seats in Parliament. They're not still considered an official party of Canada. not yet. You need 12 seats. Right. So, one, what are they scared of, first of all? She still needs 10 more seats to get this party to even start being a part of an election. And... So that's to kind of side with them and decide with Elizabeth Maine for the Green Party. They need this. Like, they need the exposure. They need the momentum. Let them be a part of it. Like, what do you, What's your reasoning behind it? And I think that's the thoughts of a lot of people is the Green Party has emerged as an actual legitimate contender, not across the country, but in certain pockets. Mm-hmm. They have a couple seats now. And I think that's what it comes down for comes down to for me is if you have seats in the in Parliament, you should be able to take part. Yeah, exactly. And it should kind of almost be an automatic, hey, you're invited thing. Of course, when it's uh, debates that are being put on by independent companies are free to invite whoever they choose to. But I think it's one of those situations where um, Elizabeth May has proved that she belongs in debates. She is obviously extremely intelligent, and whether or not you agree with her views, more and more Canadians are, Mm -hmm. and she should have, in my opinion, been invited and shouldn't have had to do things the way she did. So, of course, 
there was also the debate as to whether all these messages she was sending out on Twitter were even effective. Like, was it giving her the exposure that the Green Party needs? Because that's what they need. They need to be able to reach Canadians from coast to coast. But were these messages on Twitter just going to already people who were supporting the Green Party on Twitter? And see, I think that it did give her the exposure that she needs. Maybe the start of the exposure that right. she needs, probably right. a better way to put it. Um, a couple of reasons why. I think one, that if she would have been a part of that debate, you have one a, sing, a one woman coming up against three very strong, bold, independent men who argued back and forth the entire time. She would never have had a chance to talk, really. She, I would, have, she would have made a chance to talk, knowing Elizabeth May and the yeah. way that she... Uh, the way that she's debated in the past, I, I think she could be right up there with him. Stood a chance. I think that she may have been taken slightly less seriously. That's um, probably a better way of putting but it. That's that's seemingly being a constant battle for her right from the very get go. So I don't think it would be anything new for her. That being said, uh, as you're saying, this gives her an opportunity to say exactly what she wants to say yeah and it got like she didn't have anyone interrupting her she got to say exactly what needed to be said from her point of view and got it out and also on a cbc article they are saying that she was mentioned the most on twitter for during that debate so out of everybody that was actually at the debate she was mentioned the most even though she wasn't she even wasn't there. at the debate so i think that kind of shows a little bit right there that it did kind of um get the momentum and get the exposure that she probably really needs. And it'll be interesting to see what happens to the Green Party here uh, in this election. It's It's been a bit of a wild ride for them, but uh, I would, um, I would say coming. I would say she won that debate. She wasn't even there. You can't figure out who won the debate. Elizabeth May won the debate. All right. So in the end, a decision has to be made by Canadians. And we're going to go to the polls October 19th. There's going to be a government elected, Kaylee, who's going to walk away with a victory? I, okay, it pains me to say this. I don't want to say this, but I think how it's going to go, I think conservatives are still going to get it. I think we are going to have a Harper government, not just a conservative government. We're going to be having another Harper government because the polls, as much as, you know, be cautious about the polls right now, they are so tight. It's hard to tell. And I think people are just going to be too divided that um, the conservatives are going to come up on top again. I think that's probably the best and most succinct way to put it. I don't think the Conservatives are going to be able to get a majority. I think it's going to end up being a Conservative minority government for a couple of reasons. The one that you mentioned is that the pool numbers are so close. And uh, when they are that close, people tend to err on the side of caution. Mm -hmm. And people generally are very uncertain about change. I mean, you think about when you move to a new house or buy a new car. There's always it's, that little bit of feeling of apprehension, scary. right? Yeah. And while a lot of people don't necessarily like what uh, Stephen Harper has been doing, they at least know what he's going to do. And he's 
being consistent about it to be fair to him. But is that going to be really the case? That is argument can be made. Is he actually going to do the things that he said he's going to do? Because has that not been the trend that we've had for the past 10 years that things are supposed to be done and they're either not done or done completely differently that favor him? What I'm referring to more there, I think, is just his message track has been staying the same and consistent. Well, yeah, because it's a message and... track. They're not <laughs> so supposed in, to change. In, in any event, they voters have an idea of what to expect, a better idea of what to expect from the conservatives than if they brought in an NDP or a liberal government and uh, somebody who had not been prime minister before. And whether that's right or wrong... It just seems to be the mentality of a lot of people. So that's one of the reasons I think the conservatives are going to be able to hold on. And uh, the other one being they they probably would have had a chance in another majority had Stephen Harper stepped down. Because I, I really believe, and just from talking to people, there there was a chance for them to be able to stay at their current level of power. But there are so many people out there who are disliking the way Stephen Harper has been running the country. It's him. It's not the party. It's him. That's the problem. And he stubbornly is sticking to his guns, not giving an inch in any way, shape, or form. And uh, I think if he had just stepped back, retired, and said, I'm stepping away from politics, I'm going out after being prime minister, it's time for me to uh, focus on other things in life that uh, they obviously would have had a convention, had a new leader, maybe somebody like Jason Kenney would have uh, been able to win and they would have had a fresh leader. I think they would have had a better shot. But with him still there, we're, it's still going to be a conservative government. They're just not going to have the same power that they have right now. Maybe uh, Canadians should take this as a chance to really, I don't know, show him that people don't want him. Don't vote then for... Don't vote for the party, maybe. Vote for the leader that you want to have. It's always a, it's always a struggle. It's trying to decide whether you want to, and with our electoral system here, you want to vote for your local candidate, you want to vote for the national party, you want to vote for the national leader. It's one of those things where it's, it's going to be close. It's going to be really close. But I think October 19th, conservatives are still going to have it in one way, shape, or form. Already time for hot or not. Kaylee, this week, election edition. Who's hot? Who's not? Can I can I say Trudeau is? No. <laughs> no. Oh, come on. Oh, Kaylee. I know a lot of women uh, have my back on that one. Okay, anyways. Okay. On serious note, though, serious. I am going to talk about him <laughs> as my hot because it's once Brady composes himself. Um, his commercials. I love his commercials. I can't fully explain why I love his commercials. The one in particular I'm thinking about that I'm just picturing in my head right now and laughing. Okay. Um, his newest one where, well, I think it's his newest one where he's on an escalator and he's right. walking up an escalator talking about Harper and then um, the escalator stops and he's talking about um, uh, Tom Mulcair and then the escalator goes back in the right direction and he 
briskly walks up to this t- to the top talking about the plans that he has for Canada. And that was kind of the thing that you liked the best was the fact that he was actually talking about what he was going to do. Yeah, because I've always seen and uh, OK, I'm going to go on uh, go at Harper again, because this is always I've seen throughout the entire years of his different multiple election campaigns. Right. He just bashes at them like his nice hair, though, Trudeau commercials and some of the ones that are at NDP and stuff. But what about your commercials where you're talking about what you're going to be doing? Stop spending so much time bashing everyone else. Start talking about what you're going to be doing. And I find Trudeau is the most um, effective with something like that. Because look at I'm still talking about his commercials. I love them. I think they're great. So that's my hot. <laughs> and, and who is not? My not so hot. I'm going at you, Globe and Mail, for that debate. Come on now. You really couldn't have let um, Elizabeth May represent the Green Party and be a part of that debate. It's just, nah, I don't know what else to really say about it. It's just, come on, guys. Kaylee's come not on. impressed. Yeah. It's like that NFL segment. Come on. <laughs> okay, Brady, okay. what about you? So not hot this week is local candidates throughout Canada. And I've been seeing reports of this in uh, numerous places. Here in Regina was one. Uh, in Back home in Manitoba for me, uh, in my home riding, there was a debate where this happened as well. And I've seen it in a few other places, basically from coast to coast. Yeah. Local candidates not showing up for local debates. And this bugs me on so many levels because that is the chance for people to actually talk to and have a chance to legitimately evaluate the candidates that they're going to be voting for on October 19th. Well, these people, we want to know who's going to be representing us. And if you can't take the time to come and show up for stuff like this, why do I want you representing me? And I hate to point the finger, but the most part, it's being conservatives that haven't been showing up. I don't know whether they're simply being told not to show up or if they're just not doing it on their own free will. But in any event, it just looks bad and it it ticks people off because they want to be able to have that chance to ask the questions that they want their answers to. They want to know where they stand on local issues that may not matter to the rest of the country or even to the rest of the province that you're in. But right to that community, there's always little things that people want to be able to know that they have the same views as who they're looking for. Showing up makes a world of the difference. It shows that you care and it shows that you're not better than us. It's a couple hours. Doesn't take very long. Can make a huge difference. Why wouldn't you show up? On the other hand, uh, Steve Letterante, uh, who is with Twitter Canada, is my hot for this week. And... Uh, he was kind of the one who worked a lot with Elizabeth May to be able to get her responses out on Twitter. Uh, he was uh, working with her to let her communicate with Can- Canadians when she wasn't invited to the debate. And as we discussed before, uh, I think for the most part, she was very successful in doing that. Mm-hmm. And so big props to him and uh, the team at Twitter for being able to help her out with that and uh i I think it was great it was uh, it was interesting to see it on a new platform and just all around hey thumbs up great guy follow him on twitter he's hilarious (laughs) and uh yeah steve letteronte think you'll see a change to how debates are going to be done 
I don't think we're ever going to see an all Twitter debate like that. Can you imagine that? Just everybody on Twitter sending <laughs> messages back and forth. I think no. we see enough of that today as it That's is. True. But uh, no, it was it was a really interesting experiment that nobody had ever tried before. And it turned out really, really well. So that will basically do it for us this time around, our election edition. Episode four of In the News. Thank you, everyone, for sticking around and listening to us. We would love to hear what you have to say about um, the up-and-coming election and what you think about our analysis of everything here. Absolutely. You can, uh, of course, always follow us on Twitter. I'm at BradyKnight1. And I'm at Kay Gelman. And you can also search for us on Facebook. Find us online in the news, yqr.blogspot.ca. And as always, we're on iTunes too. Yep, subscribe. You can catch um, episode one through three are also up on iTunes now. So subscribe. We just give us some feedback. Let us know what you think. We love to hear from you. We'd love to chat with you. Thanks everyone uh, again for listening. For myself, Kaylee Gilman and Brady Knight, we will see you next time. <laughs>